Okay. Um, well, today is Tuesday, November 11th, uh, 2014, Veterans Day. And we're here for fiction, old and new. And there was a pretty lengthy um, biography of the author in the recording. So Sherry and I thought it might be more interesting to do a, a short biography of Pro Buck since the, and, and in order to compare about what her real life was like as compared to what was portrayed in the book. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Pearl Buck. Um, Pearl Seidenstreicher Buck was born on June 26, 1892 in West Virginia. Her parents, Caroline and Absalom Seidenstreicher, were Southern Presbyterian missionaries who moved the family to China. Pearl was the fourth of seven children, only three of whom survived. Sorry about that. Um, Pearl was the fourth of seven children, only three of whom survived to adulthood. Her brother Edgar became an epidemiologist, and her younger sister Grace became an author who wrote under the pen name Cornelia Spencer, young adult books about Asia. Uh, during the Boxer Uprising, her father remained in one of the provinces in China while the rest of the family went to Shanghai. Pearl was enrolled in Miss Jewell's school in Shanghai and was upset at the racist attitudes of her fellow classmates, most of whom had not learned to speak Chinese as she had. She left China in 1911 to attend Randolph-Macon's Women's College in Virginia. After graduation, she returned to China, and in 1917, she married John Lossing Buck, an agricultural economist missionary. The couple first lived in a small rural community and then moved to Nanking, where they both taught at the University of Nanking. They had a daughter, Carol, born in 1920, who suffered from phenylketonuria. Pearl's mother died in 1921, and then her father moved in with them. In 1925, the Bucks adopted their daughter, Janice. In 1927, the violence with the conflicts between Chiang Kai-shek's nationals, the communist troops, and the warlords reached Nanking and culminated in the Nanking incident where several Westerners were killed. The Buck family and Pearl's father hid in the hut of a poor Chinese family. They managed to escape to Shanghai and then went to Japan for a year. When the family came back to China in 1927, Pearl began writing. In 1929, Pearl went to the United States searching for medical help for her daughter. And while there, she met Richard Walsh, an editor for a New York publisher who agreed to publish her novel, East Wind, West Wind. She would later marry Richard Walsh in 1935, and they remained married until his death in 1960. In 1934, Pearl left China and would never return. John Buck remained in China, and the couple divorced in 1935. During the Cultural Revolution, Pearl Buck was called an American cultural imperialist, and she was not allowed to visit China in 1972 with President Nixon. Pearl Buck has written novels, nonfiction books, short stories, two autobiographies of her own life, and two biographies, one of her father and the other of her mother. Her most famous novel, The Good Earth, was the best-selling fiction book in both 1931 and 1932 in the United States, 
and won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 1932. She was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1938, and the topic of her acceptance speech was the Chinese novel. She was also very active in humanitarian causes. Along with James Mitcher and Oscar and Dorothy Hammerstein, she co-founded Welcome House in 1949, which has placed over 5,000 children for adoption. She also started the Pearl S. Buck Foundation to address poverty and discrimination faced by children in Asian countries. She died on March 6, 1973, and the tombstone at her gravesite in Pennsylvania has Chinese characters for the name Pearl Seidenstriker. Her birthplace in West Virginia is a museum, as is her house in Nanking, China. So what did everybody think of the book? And um, one thing that, that I found really interesting was the fact that she lived half her life in China, the first 40 years, and then the second 40 years she lived in the United States. And I, I wondered, you know, how well, I guess, she adjusted to life in the United States, and, and did she always think of China as, as her true home? And I'm going to release the microphone now. Well, I actually love the book. Um, <clears throat> I think the thing I liked about it was the story of it and the history of it, if that makes sense. I like history anyway. And just the way it was told. I actually listened to the book on Audible. And it was really cool because the narrator actually sang the Chinese songs. It was really neat. And um, I don't remember where I read this other book, but I read another book about um, China. And it may have been for the history. I don't know. Anyway, but it was also it also told about the re- revolution with Chairman Mao. And, oh, it was really kind of sad. And uh, it, it's interesting how, um, not Pearl, I can't remember the girl's name. Oh, I uh, can't remember her name. But it's interesting how she went from basically rags to riches, if you will, because she, Dick was, um, Dick was Mal's best friend or whatever. He was a right-hand man. And then all of a sudden she went to rags when she went to prison. But she always came back to her home. It was really kind of a... Kind of a learning. I don't know much about China. And it was interesting to learn. Well, I liked the book, too. Um, I found a, I had a couple of problems. I thought there were a couple of parts that were a little melodramatic. There was a part where... I think it was Willow's father was going to be killed and he called out for Absalom and just by coincidence, Absalom happened to be sailing into port right at that time and saved him. And there was one other time where I think the family was going to be killed and one of the warlords came and saved him at the last minute. Maybe these things really happened, but to me they seemed a little contrived. Um, But I did like the book other than that. And I, like Leela said, I really liked the history. I had a little trouble with the book, and and I finally, you know, I was thinking, I, I didn't like this book all that much, and, and I finally realized it was the narrator, so I was really glad when Lisa said she read it on Audible, 
And if I were willing to spend the money, I ought to go back and read it on Audible because I really didn't like the reader. Um, you know, I thought she was overly... I don't know. We just... I, I, I'm not sure why I didn't like her. I guess it was just her whole voice quality and the way she used it. And I really felt that this love affair that, that Pearl Buck supposedly had was, was way over. It, it always bothers me a little bit when, in an historical fiction book, when they really are creating a character that they don't actually know that much about. Um, because I always wonder, you know, I always take it with a grain of salt and think, how accurate really is their information? I mean, obviously, uh, it's basically accurate, but I just wonder when they go to the extreme that they did in this book. But I, too, certainly like the history part of it. I, I like the book also. Um, it was, in a way, it, it covered a lot of really big topics because in the beginning there was a lot of information about uh, Christian missionaries. And then as the book went along, you learned a lot about uh, Chinese politics. So I think she really took on some topics. Um, and I guess one of the things that was interesting to me, um, I like the character of Willow, definitely. Um, I think that's who Leela was, was referring to, was her friend Willow. And the fact that she went from, from where she was and became a newspaper editor, which was kind of interesting, too. I kind of liked the book. I, I guess I had trouble because it mixed up what was really fact and which was history a little bit. And I, I agree with Sherry. I guess it was that uh, having the, the Marines come in at the last minute, so to speak, uh, was, uh, of course, they had to survive, but... Uh, uh, and they, that portrayal of Willow in, when, at the beginning when she was stealing, you know, they were so poor she had to, she kind of stole things just as a matter of course, you know, and then made it all that way. But it was a good portrayal of what, how poor people survived, you know. Yeah. Well, probably my favorite character in the book, I think, was uh, Pearl's mother, Carrie. I, I really liked her, and she she sort of became, I guess, a surrogate mother for Willow, and she certainly had a, a difficult marriage, I guess, and, and had a difficult time, and she was, I think, a character that really... Well, married married somebody named Absin, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what would you expect, right? Um, what did you guys think of the missionary aspect? Because it really struck me that in a lot of ways, Carrie was a much better missionary than Absalom because she didn't just, like, preach at people and try to change them. She just lived a good life and, and kind of led by example and did what she could to help without necessarily trying to change everybody. Well, she did a really good job, I thought, with Absalom. I mean, you really felt that he was so dedicated to his cause and that he wanted to remain behind even when there were things on in the beginning, uh, when you brought up the missionary thing, uh, Sherry, it reminded me of when Willow's father was dying. He said he saw um, Absalom, and he said, "She's like, oh, really? What did he say?" And she's, he's like, "Well, he said he felt bad that he couldn't have spent more time with his daughter and stuff." Are you guys getting lots of silences? Because I heard part of. Michelle was breaking up, and then Leela was breaking up. Maybe it's just my computer, and I need to get out and get back in. My, I had a big silence just now and before also a couple places, so I think it's something in the 
either in the client or the particular mic. I don't know. Nope, it's not you. Because <laughs> uh, in the beginning there, you and Jill interrupted each other too. I was going to say that... Um, isn't it interesting how Willow's father made Christianity um, easy for the Chinese people? And Absalom didn't want to do that at first, but finally he kind of bent a little bit and when he did there were more people who believe and, it, and that, I thought that was interesting I didn't pay much attention to that I guess my, my opinion of Absalom was such that I didn't pay too much attention to that well I think probably my least favorite marriage in the book was between Pearl and her first husband I thought he was really pretty awful um and I remember he didn't even go to uh, Pearl's mother's funeral, which was, was pretty pretty bad, actually. Well, what do you guys think Pearl saw in him? I mean, they didn't really have much about their romance. And you would think she was already irritated with him at the wedding because he was he didn't want to do anything traditional. You'd think she might have noticed some of that stuff before it got that far. Well, you know, when I was looking her up, it looked like she came back to China after she went to college, and she met him in China. So maybe it was just the fact that they were both Americans in China that drew them together, and maybe they didn't know each other all that well. You know, it's 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 possible. We didn't really find out in the story, um, but he certainly, you know, wanted a lot from her. He wanted her to, to translate, because he didn't speak Chinese, so he wanted her to translate you know, for him all the time, and, and he seemed to want a lot from her, but it wasn't a reciprocal relationship, and I was glad when I found out that she had gotten married again, and hopefully that was, you know, a better a better marriage. Um, and I think what, what Jill was saying in the beginning about the relationship with Pearl and the poet and Willow, I, I, I agree, that was a little confusing. I mean, the only reason I think they had it was they wanted to show maybe how Pearl became more literary and how Willow's husband was involved, you know, in, in bringing literary, uh, like a salon sort of around. So maybe that's why that was in, in the story. I thought they met on a boat on a ship of coming from China or going to that, but maybe I misremembered that. Well, one of the things also that was interesting to me was when they were talking about Pearl's wedding to, to Lossing, they had a banquet wedding um, where nine courses of Chinese dishes were served. And probably about 15 years ago, I went to the only Chinese wedding that I've ever been to, which was in a Chinese banquet hall. And um, it was somebody that, that I knew from uh, some place where I used to volunteer. And... She and her husband both were originally from China, but they both came here when they were, were pretty young. And what I remember about it was a couple of things. Um, they served 15 courses, which was a lot of, a lot of courses, in very quick succession. And the big uh, attraction was something called shark's fin soup. And the bride changes her gown three times. She wears a Western gown, which is white, and she wears a red gown, which is for Chinese. And then she also cha changes into like a kimono. And I remember we were sitting at the table 
they sit you at, they don't have like a, a cocktail hour. You just come in and sit at your individual table. And you sat there for about two hours, and they didn't serve you any food or drink while the bride and the groom take a lot of pictures, and then they start serving the food like crazy. So it was a very different kind of experience, and when it came up to that part in the story, I was like, oh, yes, I've been to a Chinese wedding. So that brought back um, my my experience with that. I remember a friend of mine went to China on a, a tour visit uh, several years ago, but he talked about the fact that the meals were like that. They served a lot of courses, but he said there wasn't very much food in each course, but <laughs> that impressed him too, that uh, how many courses there were, but it was just like they're right there, and then they're gone, and then the next one, and they're gone, and, and you know, quite a variety though. Are, are any of you um, familiar with Pearl Buck before you started reading the book? I mean, did you feel that you got to know her from this story, or had you come to the story with a lot of, uh, you know, impressions of her before you read the book? I had read The Good Earth a long time ago, and I think I might have read a couple more of hers that I don't remember the titles of offhand, but I didn't really feel like I knew her. Um, I haven't read any of her autobiographies or anything. I thought that this really gave you a, a nice picture of her Although, like somebody said, you, it's hard to know, you know, there might be some things that aren't true. I thought especially the ending was really beautiful. Um, it yeah, may be a little contrived to have Willow come to the United States, but I just thought it was so well written and beautifully described how she went to her graveside and everything. Yeah, the ending was actually my favorite part of the whole book. Um, where and and when I read that she um, that was actually true that her gravesite had the Chinese characters for her name, I thought that was really really interesting. And I really I I, I like that, and I liked that you you got to see that you know a little bit what her life was like in the United States. And I did find it really fascinating that she lived half her life in China and half her life in the United States because I couldn't imagine, you know, it, it's such a different culture. It's so it's so different to have that, that, that type of a life. And I was really impressed with her that she was such a humanitarian as well and that she really tried to help, um, you know, Asian children and, and just to take away the... Um, you know, uh, prejudice, I guess, against against um, Asian countries and Asian people. I thought that was really interesting. I had read several of her books, uh, including The Good Earth and East Wind, West Wind. And I've read several of them. Uh, but that's all I knew about her, except at the very end, what I remember is that because it got in the newspapers, um, in her will... She left, she wanted to leave her money to, I, I gather that the person had been her caretaker or had been around a, a lot. Well, there wasn't even anyone in the family, and I, and I know the family contested it, and I'm almost sure that the family won because apparently she was having, you know, um, I don't know that necessarily was Alzheimer's, but, but something like that at, at the end of her life. I remember that distinctly. Do we know whatever happened to her daughter? Well, she actually had two daughters. She had her uh, biological daughter, and then she had an, an adopted daughter as well. 
And I thought they said in the book somewhere, well, anyway, um, I, I don't know specifically what happened to her daughter, but um, I know she, she started um, a house for uh, children who were, who were, I guess, physically disabled in similar situations, and I would assume perhaps that's where her daughter ended up living, but I can't say that for sure. Yeah, well, if they don't have fetal we shouldn't have fetal catenuria anymore because they can predict it. Or it's a mixed wrong blood types, isn't it? But uh, uh, I read uh, Good Earth, I think, in high school and had a book report, and I always thought she went to Radcliffe but and came and dressed in Chinese. But that was some book report I heard, so I guess that wasn't true. And the only other one was some kind of uh, World War II propaganda piece, pro-Chinese thing about building this airfield for the uh, flying tigers, I guess, or something like that, which was kind of a, not her greatest literary thing, but the book of Good Earth was an excellent book. Well, I think, Sherry, you had mentioned when we were talking about the book, you had said that it was interesting that there were some parallels between her father and her first husband, um, which I guess really is true. And I, I guess the relationship also that was interesting was between Willow and Dick because she was a very devout Christian and he was an official in the Communist Party. So I, I would think you, you really couldn't be more opposite, I guess, than, than those you know different ways of life. Or consistent, too. <laughs> I wonder what happened to, um, to La Singh, her first husband, too. I, I don't know if you came across that in the bio, Michelle. Yeah, he actually stayed in China and he got remarried. Um, I so I think in the book, he he also got remarried, right? In the book too, I think. I know he had a an affair, um, but I think he also he also remarried. So it was interesting going through her bio because some of the things were were accurate in the book, and then other things I I don't know if she, you know, just for fictional reasons went in a different direction i don't know but it was it was kind of interesting and it is hard sometimes i think to read historical fiction because we look at it like it's history but it's not history it's historical fiction so it is sometimes hard to see where the line should be sort of sort of drawn um and i think i don't know if i mentioned earlier i probably did that I was I, the thing I had a hard time was figuring out how Willa became a newspaper editor because she was offered this job for the Nanking Daily, which was a government newspaper, and I was trying to remember what her training was, and I think she she just started a newspaper. I think that's how it happened because she she was sort of she she was like a educated sort of in, in different ways. So I thought that was interesting that she chose to make her a newspaper editor. Um, I didn't expect that in the story. Yeah, she started her own paper, if you will, and then that, I still find it interesting that her and Dick even married. Um, opposites really didn't attract. Um, I guess they did because they were married for a while, but and then uh, he offered her, you know, a job, and that was interesting too. The guy doesn't even know her, and all of a sudden, oh. By the way, you can work for us, and we'll give you this, this, and this. It's like, who are you? Well, it's interesting that La Sing could stay in China and survive the whole revolution thing. Does anyone know if the Nixon stuff is true? I mean, obviously, he did go to China, and that's true. But did he go to Pearl Buck's home village? 
Well, it was really sad that she was not allowed to to go into China, and I think it was from Madame Mao, right, who denied her the entry visa, which really it was very sad because she really wanted to come back, and she she did so much for. For Asian countries and the Asian community, I mean, she really was trying almost to be a bridge between the United States and Asia. So, it really would have been fitting for her to have been allowed to to go and and to to visit. It, it's really kind of sad when you think about it. It's very sad. And didn't they say she died shortly after that? Shortly after her request was denied. Well, it had to be close because it was in '73, and I Nixon. Went to China before all the Watergate stuff broke loose heavily, so that had to be probably in seventy two or seventy three. Yeah, he went in seventy two, and she died in March of seventy three. So it was very, very shortly afterwards. Actually, you're right. It was、uh, it was very sad.、Um, that was, I think, as I think as the story went along, I got more involved with it. In the beginning. I had a hard time, I think, with all the missionary stuff. I just couldn't get into it. And then, as as it went along, and you saw really what all the conflicts were in China,、um, I think it became, for me, actually, more interesting.、Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you get grabbed from the beginning, but for me, it took me a while to get into it. And then, by the end, I was I was very involved in the story. Michelle did. <laughs> Did the narrator bother you like she did me, or am I the only one that didn't like the narrator? You know, I'm I'm not as used to listening to audio books. I think so. I'm not maybe as I'm maybe not as as、um, particular as everybody else because I've been listening to audio books for maybe three or four years,、um, and I really didn't listen to them before. So I'm. You know, everybody talks about their favorite narrators, and I'm sort of at the point where I'm getting used to all the different narrators and sort of distinguishing them. So I'm probably not as as particular as somebody who's more used to and has heard more more books.、Um, and I, I, because I listen to so many books from Bookshare, I'm happy when there's a human voice. <laughs> so I guess I guess my standards need to get a little bit higher or something.、Um, I've been listening to a few books that I had from a couple of years ago from Audible because I have, I for the life of me cannot figure out how to download a book from Audible onto my Victor Reader Stream. I have tried and tried and tried. So I finally got an, an iPad and I can finally listen to my Audible books. And now that I've been listening to Audible, I have to say that they have pretty good. Readers, so I think I understand what everybody's talking about because I have a friend and she's always complaining to me about the Bard readers and how she likes the Audible readers and I'm like, oh yeah, whatever, right? So,、um, but I, I, they have pretty good readers in the books that I've been listening to on Audible. So I, I'm, I'm sort of getting a little bit more used to it. But you know what? I, it, A lot of people complain about different readers, so I, I'm sure if it if it bothered you, I'm sure there's there's good reason for that. Well, I'll tell you, you haven't had it till you had、uh, recordings for the blind and、uh, the, the volunteers at Vacaville, the prison readers, to appreciate、uh, the good and、uh, the speech. You know, with the、uh, bookshare are excellent. Yeah, you know, with my、uh, 
Jaws, I, the, you know, the, it pauses at the end of sentences and inflection. It's not like it used to be. Uh, so I, 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 I don't pay much attention to the readers, but the audibles, of course, always a cut above the bard. I don't pay too much attention to the narrators either, but Jill, I thought the recording quality wasn't very good. I found that I had to adjust my tone and stuff, and I thought it was the quality of the recording, but it could have been the narrator. But I did notice a difference between that and most books. I have a question. Did China not get involved in the whole Hitler thing? Because if I have it right, wasn't China's revolution during Hitler's reign or whatever you wish to call it, or am I wrong? I think China was having a lot of issues with Japan at that time, and then Japan of course, was aligned with with Germany. And I read this book, and I know Jill read it as well, called Ten Green Bottles, which is on Bard. And it was the story of a family from Austria, a Jewish family from Austria, that was on the last ship and ended up living in in China, which I had not known that there there were Jewish people who left Europe and ended up living in China. But apparently... There was a small Jewish community, and then there was also a small community from the Middle East of Jewish people that lived there as well. So I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I don't think they got involved. I think they were too busy worrying about their own country and their own problems, I guess, with Japan, you know, and trying to – Japan. It's hard to imagine. Japan is such a small country. China is such a big country. But, you know, they're, they've had – Japan has been so aggressive, I guess, against China. I remember that it was at the same time, and of course, Japan and Germany were allies of sorts, and the ambassador or consulate in Nanking complained about the rape of Nanking to the government, and he was severely, he was penalized or even, I don't know if he was arrested or not, but he got in a lot of trouble with the Nazi government because he had uh, criticized the Japanese at that time, so I guess it was... uh, 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 about that time. Yeah, that was pretty good part of the story, actually, because the part where they had to hide in that hut because of of um, what was going on and and how there was, you know, all the people were trying to to attack the Westerners in in uh, China. It was really a, something to imagine, you know, being there and having to, you know, to sort of fear for your life. So that was actually an interesting part of the story. I really thought it was sad how you were talking about how they hid in that hut. Well, I thought it was sad how her son basically... Sorry, Leela, you cut out there. Could you try that again right after you felt bad that her son something? Sure. I felt bad that the girl whose hut they hid in, her son basically turned traitor. And if you really want to think about it, he literally bit the hand that fed him all those years, you know. I mean, well, well, because that was the girl that was having this baby she found in her whatever and she hid them and helped them and then all of a sudden he grows up and just basically kicks her 
Yeah, that was pretty sad. It's sort of like the last book we read, Paris Architect. You never know what people are going to do in, in that sort of situation and who's going to turn traitor and who's going to not. Um, I, I also thought the author was, was kind of interesting. I've seen her, I've heard her, maybe on book TV or something, um, and she really she had sort of an interesting story because she, um, I guess it was, what was it, the Cultural Revolution? She was sent to a labor camp when she was about 17 years old, and um, somehow she ended up in the film industry, and then she ended up coming to the United States, and um, she's, she's certainly led a very interesting life, that's for sure. Um, and, um, you know, listening to her, she, she, certainly, she had a sense of what it was like to grow up in China, because she did, and what it was like to be impacted by their, their policies. So you could sort of see a little bit in, in this story. Um, you know, I think she was maybe trying to get through a little bit as well. Has she read, written any other books, or would you read it? <laughs> you know, she's written different kinds of books. She's written her first book, which is on Bard, is called Red Azalea. And I think it's actually the story of, um, it's a memoir, and I think it's the story of what happened to her when she was sent, you know, to, um, I don't know what the, the word is, what they call it, when you're sent to the countryside, um, when you're from the city and you're from an educated family and they send you to the countryside to you know work in the, the farms or, or whatever. There's a word, but it's escaping me. And she also wrote a, a, another memoir recently called The Cook Seed, which is not on board. And I think that's the book that I heard her taught, which I think is a continuation of her own story. And then in between the two memoirs, which were written like 20 years apart, she wrote a couple of historical fictions, some of which are, are on Bard. Um, and while I have the key, um, I just thought I would mention that um, the book that we're going to read in December, we, we've been reading a lot of historical fiction, so Sherry and I thought it might be nice to read a different kind of a story, maybe a family story. Um, so there's an author that I actually read her first two books on Audible, and um, and then her third book came on board. And for the life of me, I cannot remember how I ended up reading her book, but um, her second book is called Deep Down True, and her name is Juliet Fay, F-A-Y. And um, her second book was recorded by the Perkins School for the Blind, and recently is on Bard now. And it doesn't have a DB number. It has a DBC number, like CAT, DBC. And it's DBC 03708. And I remember when I read this book, it must have been a year or two ago, probably it's like two years ago, I really, really liked it. It was a really warm, nice story um, about a woman who... Um, sort of reinvents her life and helps her children and helps her sister and her neighbors after she gets divorced. And, and then there's a romance as well. And her first book is called Shelter Me. And Shelter Me, when I read that book, I, I loved Shelter Me. That was her first book. But it's a much kind of darker book. Um, it is on Bookshare and it's on Audible. 
but um, it's a book that if you're a little bit upset about something, if you're a little bit angry about something, it's just the right mood to read this kind of book because there's a little bit of like bitterness in it. And when I read it, that was definitely where my my mind was at that time. So it was the right book for me to read. But her second book is, is a nicer story. It's a more warm story. And it's called Deep Down True. And her name is Juliet Fay. And the number is DBC. 03708. Um, I listened to a little bit of it, um, maybe an hour or two of it, just to make sure the narrator was okay, the reader was okay, and, and she seemed okay to me. Um, the books that I've listened to from the Perkins School or the Washington Library, I, I find their readers okay. I don't, I don't personally have a problem with them. So um, our next meeting is going to be December 9th which is, you know, towards the beginning of the month. And the book is called Deep Down True. Thank you. I did put the book up in the chat window. So if somebody wants to cut and paste, just hit F9 and you should be able to cut and paste the title, author, and DB number. What's DBC mean? You know, I noticed that they have DBC and DBN, N like Nancy. And... What it seems to mean is a book that was recorded by somebody else besides the National Library Service. So in this case, it's the Perkins School for the Blind that recorded the book. Or it might be, um, like my local library is the Andrew High School Library in New York City, so, and they record books. So if somebody, and like where you live, Leela, in Colorado, they have, they I understand they record books as well. So if there's a book that was recorded by your library and they decide to put it on BARD, for some reason they don't give it a DB number, they give it a DBC or a DBN number. So, I don't know. And while I have the key, I'm just going to read the BARD annotation. Um, It's pretty short. It says, newly single after 15 years of marriage, worried about her children and her finances, and no longer unfailingly nice, Daner Stelgarten enters the slipstreams of both post-divorce romance and this funny and poignant novel about finding your true path. So um, it's, it's a really nice story. I remember when I read it, I, I really liked it. And I, I, it was like a, it was just a nice, a nice book. And we thought it might be nice, you know, at holiday time to read that, that kind of a story. So before I forget too, um, last month when we read the Paris architect, I was trying to remember somebody I saw on book TV that wrote about that, and the book is called When Paris Went Dark, and it's by Ronald Rossbottom, and he's actually going to be on book TV again this weekend, and I unfortunately don't have the time, but he's a very good speaker, and he talks about the occupation and stuff like that, and I'm waiting, I haven't checked Bookshare, but I'm waiting for the book to show up on BARD, it should be really interesting. Um, uh, we do have time, though, if anyone has anything else to say about Pearl of China, that, that would, you know, that's fine. What is Book TV? Sorry, I'm full of questions. Book TV is what they run on C-SPAN on the weekend, and starting like Saturday morning through Monday morning, they have nonfiction authors, and they talk about their books, and they have a, a whole range of different nonfiction titles. Um, I can send you a link to their schedule on the Internet, because that's what I always do. I always go to their schedule every week and see who's going to be on and when. Uh, but I don't know it off the top of my head. But I, I love book TV. They always have some really interesting authors on there. Could you post it some way? I'd like to. I'd like to have that link too, Sherry. 
you can Google it pretty easy also. It's a C-SPAN or, or Book TV. I think it's just B-O-O-K TV. We'll, we'll get it anyway. That's, that's pretty, yeah, they have a lot of interviews. and I, They also have Q&A and, and, well, I forgot the other book. And, I'll go out and get it right now. Um, it'll just take me a second, and I'll post it in the chat window. Also, when you go to their schedule, what I always do with JAWS is um, go to the open print version link because then it's like a text file, and you can just arrow down through it really easily. And I find JAWS works better that way. So let me get the link, and I'll post it in just like 10 seconds. Michelle, do you know if Deep Down True is on Bookshare? I think you said it was. Okay, I just pasted it up in the chat window. Again, if you hit F9, you should be able to arrow down and copy and paste it. And once you get in there again, if you just, uh, I use JAWS to go th- to bring up the links. It's just open print version, and then you can easily arrow down through their schedule. I get a lot of interviews off of them, but they used to have very qu- poor quality sound, and then you'd have to buy their video disc, but... Uh Anymore, they're pretty good quality. Yeah, sometimes the question and answer period's hard to hear because they don't have a microphone in the audience, but usually they repeat the uh, question anyway, so yeah. It uh, looks like we lost Michelle, at least for a second. Uh, what was your question, Leela? I didn't hear it because I was looking for the book TV link. Did she say that the book we're reading next month is on Bookshare or not? I can't remember. I thought she said the first two or something like that. I don't remember either. No worries. I'll go look. I guess I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Don't get snowed in. Or if you do, enjoy it. Uh, it looks like you're going to have snow until Thanksgiving. So, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you, too, and, and thanks for coming in. It was fun. Good night. 